Okay, today is the 16th of Tevis. We're up to the second part of chapter 10. Um, theme of chapter 10 is Tzaddik, right? We're literally getting to know this persona of Tzaddik. But based on our understanding of Tanya in this class, um, we know that the understanding of what a Tzaddik is is much more than just the way that somebody else experiences life, the way that this person that I will never be and that I can never become and that I will never have any access to the way that they experience things. But what we're understanding is that the, the consciousness that a tzaddik experiences is actually something, first of all, that has relevance to my life. Well, yeah, that has relevance to my life. Now, the question is, what relevance does it have to my life? So what I've been thinking about is essentially, it didn't, like... Basically, you could see it this way, that basically, that basically, 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 gosh, okay, come into my, for everybody listening to the recording, Baruch Hashem, we have a filmmaker here today, <laughs> donate to the space in the upcoming the promo, what? No, I don't know, I don't actually care. Basically, if you could like, theme this chapter, I would say, it's starting to notice what reality would look like if I was seeing it clearly. A tzaddik sees reality clearly. A tzaddik sees the world through the lens of true perception, right? That's the definition of tzaddik. Tzaddik yisod olam. Tzaddik sees the underlying truth of what reality actually is. He sees literally the foundation within the ilam, within the helam, within the concealment. We look at ilam and we're like, oh, you're just the world. A tzaddik sees the world and is like, I see what's actually going on, right? What's interesting about this chapter is later the altar is going to be like, okay, now are you meant to always be able to do this avoda of being in the state of consciousness of tzaddik? Not necessarily. That's not necessarily what we're actually here to feel on a day-to-day basis. But what this chapter is doing is it's letting us know if you could feel real reality, if you were able to be aligned with true consciousness, what would that look like? What would you see in yourself? What would you see in the world around you? What would the world look like? And again, it's, what's fascinating is that within that true consciousness, the tzaddik, the Alter Rebbe, as tzaddik, is looking at us and saying, true reality is that you're not always meant to be on the level of tzaddik. That's part of true reality. And the question, though, is, though, like, if we're looking at true reality, what do we see? So essentially, what the main thing that we're seeing is that we're seeing the highest level of true reality, the most aware of what's actually happening in the world is Tzadik V'tayvle, which the way we explain Tzadik V'tayvle, we talked about it yesterday, is a Tzadik V'tayvle sees all of reality as oneness. A Tzadik V'tayvle doesn't see Ra and Tov as two opposite things, but he sees Zelu Mazet as one part of a bigger picture of Hashem's unity. The Zeh and the Zeh aren't like two foreign concepts. It's, there's one big picture happening and Klippa and Kedusha are both part of that. My animal soul and my godly soul are both part of that. And so for the Tzaddik B'tavloi, there's no part of his inner reality or outer reality or anything that's ever working against him. Because everything inside of him has become his superpower for the unity of Hashem, for his service of Hashem. The difference between Tzaddik B'tavloi and Tzaddik B'ralai is that a Tzaddik B'ralai has silenced, so to speak, his Ra. He's kind of shut it off and it doesn't interfere with his tov. it's raw light it's subservient to him 
but it's not transformed. It's not actually working for him. It's just not working against him. And again, what we're just noticing is that that already is tzaddik she'eno gamor, that there's an that there's a, a aspect to that level of consciousness that isn't fully true reality. Meaning, what is fully true reality? When there isn't one inch of creation that isn't, that is working against the unity, that is working not in context, that is, this, okay? <laughs> okay, let's green inside a little bit. The incomplete tzaddik is somebody who does not hate the sitra akhra with an absolute hatred. And what we talked about yesterday is that the hatred is the flip side of the love, right? The more that I cannot imagine being without you, the more that I will literally never want to not be without you. Therefore, he also does not find... Therefore, he also does not find um, Ra um, absolutely repugnant. <laughs> Um, and as long as he does not have that intense level of hatred, as long as he does not have that intense experience of there is nothing in me that would even desire for a second to be separate from you, it means that he has some level of love that's still towards it. Okay, I don't even think I should put this on our recording, but there's. I once read a book. Okay, I don't know if I should say this. <laughs> it's kind of, oh, okay, whatever. Already here. I, I once read a book called Existential Kink. It was this random book I picked up in some random library, and it basically was saying that, like, for as long, even if you say that you hate something, if you're still engaging with it, it means that you like it. It's very fascinating, and it's it's a way of understanding your own life. Like, you could talk from today till tomorrow and be like, oh, I don't like it, I don't want it, I whatever. But if you're still there. If, you, if you're still engaged with it, there's parts of you that are saying, I'm actually gaining something from this. This is serving me in some way, right? So we, there's no such thing as stuck. What do you mean? Like someone feels like they're stuck in a situation. I would say that that person is the stuckness. Wow, so this is the first time you ask something. I'm like, that person's stuckness, I would say, is less about them actually being stuck and more about that there's something inside of them that's sticking them there. There's some part of them that's saying, I need to be here for some reason. Until that person can have the self-awareness of being like, what part of me is actually gaining from this experience? And sometimes we gain from pain. <laughs> we gain from being in cycles that aren't actually serving us, but they are serving us on some level. And until we can notice what enjoyment, and again, the enjoyment might be a negative enjoyment, but it is serving us in some way until that person can like realize what they're actually benefiting from staying stuck in that situation, not getting out of it. It's interesting. The stuckness you is could be serving the wrong side of you, which absolutely. is like looking for unhealthy attachments. So you you like you really do want to leave, but like something in health, unhealthy in you is like making you stay. Yeah, exactly. And until until it's really fascinating how like a can see through what the thing is and see the values. Yeah. So everything that I've spoken to so far about shrooms, I've never taken notes. Like, I know people. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean, I can see that, like, when you see candy, they can see the disgusting. Right. And when you see, like, it like becomes dimensional. Wow. <laughs> 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 <laughs
Wow. When you said that, I'm like, by the way, that's why people already do. No, you know what else they told me? They felt like Hashem. They, they, that they went into a custom secret chamber that they weren't allowed to go into, mm. uh, and that they trespassed, and now they'll never be able to undo what they saw. It and also, when they're feeling low, low spirituality. and that won't necessarily encourage them, right. because like, and, and that they, they waste, it was like a waste. It was like such a bad waste, like one of the worst things that they did. Wait, why was it waste? interesting? Yeah. Because, first of all, they are so feel so guilty that they trespass. They like went into something they should not have, have seen. It's like seeing something that, that's so holy, yeah. you have to be on a certain level to see it. You can't just see it. You, you it's literally, it's, it's, I can't explain it's it. literally, no, and you're also entering into it from a place like, where, like, you're not I'm physically. I'm not putting words in their mouth. They literally said those words. I trespass Hashem. Like, yeah. I, I went past where I was allowed to go. Right, and that's what's that's what's fascinating me about what the altar is doing here. It's altar is literally letting us know what is true reality. But then, in literally two more chapters, in chapter um, twelve, when the altar is going to start talking about abandonment, the altar is going to say, "And yet, your avoda is not to feel that all the time." But that's the whole thing of Hasidus, that Hasidus is literally all about getting to a state of consciousness, kind of irrespective of how it's going to end up. It's meant to change our lives, and it's not, it's not irrespective of how it's meant to change our lives, but the way that our lives are meant to be changed isn't the same way that a tzaddik exists. Like, we're not meant to become tzaddikim, and yet... And just skipping ahead, but we already said at the beginning that Mashbiyam Asati Tzadik, we're going to end up translating that as what does that mean if I promise to be a Tzadik? That I promise to strive to be a Tzadik. I promised to work towards that state of consciousness based on the understanding of what that state of consciousness is, but to jump ahead to that state of consciousness through an external element is. Or it, to be. There's a reason why I end up with a lot of backlash yeah. in that person's inner system because they also literally so wow. to like know in your own mind that something is more than it is without having to see exactly how. Yes. Like seeing a person and accepting them as, as a as a piece of God without saying like, oh, I don't like them and like all seeing all the negative but like recognizing no, there's something deeper than, than yeah. what we're seeing and I have to love them for that. Yeah. And like allowing yourself to accept that without having to like wait to find the thing that you see that's gonna, wow. you know? Which is fascinating actually, Khalil, because wow, okay, you just gave me such das. That's exactly what a bainani has to do. And it's almost like knowing the consciousness of tzaddik allows us to be bainani. Because what does a bainani do? A bainani literally looks at his inner experience of animal soul and says, I choose to not choose you right now. I choose. But what does that consciousness come from? It comes from two things. It comes from, first of all, seeing that I can look at this because you're not working against me. You're not actually the enemy here. If I look at you, I'm not going to die, right? Which is what a tzaddik sees. A tzaddik sees literally nothing as the enemy. And B, I know that there's a bigger picture here, a bigger story here, a bigger... There's breath here. There's air here for me to actually be able to choose something other than just this impulse that's coming up for me right now. So it's almost like the awareness of tzaddik, even without the emotional experience of tzaddik, allows us to have the emotional experience of vanity, which is not always engaging with, with the impulse. It's fascinating. Wow. Okay, cool. Love the flow of Tanya. Love the flow of Tanya. Okay. Um, dun, dun, dun. Okay. 
What is the incompleteness of the animal soul? The incompleteness of the animal soul is that he's not utilizing both of his soul powers. He's not utilizing every single thing that comes up inside of him for the service of Hashem. Now, what's fascinating here is that don't, I, I just want to be clear to the Tanya, by he's not utilizing everything inside of him, doesn't mean that a tzaddik has the impulse for negativity for animal soul and he uses that. What we're saying is that the, the tzaddik the tzaddik's entire animal soul impulse has been transformed to an impulse for Kedusha. It's been transformed to, to godliness. How that translates into our experience, when we're never going to actually necessarily experience that, is that can I see my impulse for animal, of animal soul consciousness as also part of my story? You get it? So it's like, we're not going to experience it the same way as the tzaddik, but we are experiencing the same truth which is that there is nothing in me working against me and I can utilize everything inside of me for the sake of Hashem for the sake of the unity therefore this person has not been completely transformed into good the Ra has not been completely transformed into the good he still has some hold on these external garments this is the Tzadik Sheena Gamer he still has some vestige of the Ra, except for it's completely bottled to the Taif. So it's transparent to him, but it's still there, meaning it hasn't been transformed, but it's still, it, but it's not loud. This, this is why he's called the Tzadik Veralai. The Ra is Kafuf Uvatel, it's subservient and surrendered to him. And by him, he's saying that his actual him, right? Which is his godly state of being. And therefore, and again, we're talking about this highest level of consciousness. The truth of real reality is that for the tzaddik in a gamor, his avas Hashem isn't complete. Because if there is something in your inner world that's not being used for the unity, but has, that has just been shut out, there's no completion there. Because true completion is when, is enon movadai. True, true life is when there's the awareness that there's nothing that's outside of the sphere of enon movadai. So this tzaddik, he's, we're literally calling him tzaddik she'eno gamor. He's not complete because there is a part of him that yes, he has subjugated to his control, but that he hasn't actually, he's not using for the unified, for, the, for love of Hashem. It's very, I, I don't know, are you guys getting how cool that is? <laughs> it's like what we're really saying right now is that true life, true life means that there's nothing left behind. That there is never going to be an inch of creation or an inch of your inner world or outer world or story or details or anything that's going to be working against Hashem. That's going to be working against you. It's, it's radical. It's absolutely radical. And again, what does that mean? Does that mean that now I suddenly just like give in to everything that comes up in me? Not necessarily. It mean, but what it does mean is that I have now choice of how I want to engage with that which comes inside of me. Because nothing is the exception. There will never be a moment where I will have to turn myself against myself. There will never be a moment where, oh, now this is really an exception to the unity of Hashem. It's never going to happen. There, it's ain od movade, no exceptions. And that's and if you're not experiencing that, then you're tzaddik she'en gamor. It's it's fascinating. The alkin v'lachein nikra tzaddik she'en gamor. He's therefore called an incomplete tzaddik. Okay, again, I keep summarizing before I get to the end of the chapter. But why is he called an incomplete tzaddik? Because the fullness of him is not being used for his bigger self, for his real self. 
Bine madrega zoom is chalekes, the Rebbevis madregas beinyan tochinas miut hara, hanishar meachas, arbitzer is haraim. Now, this level of incomplete tzaddik um, is split into many different levels. Uveinyan bitulo bimiutai. And this takes into account, Valter was going to bring in halacha here, of so if there's two sixtieths, right, of let's say you drop two out of sixty of milk in a, in a pot, not kosher. You have one sixtieth and it is kosher. What about one one thousandth? Or one eighteen billion? One out of eighteen billion? Right? It's the same level of kosher as the one sixtieth. Why? Because there's still a little bit. So even if there's still even a, a drop, it's of the same. It's of the same level as one sixtieth, and that's what they were explaining about the tzaddik virale. That even if there is one one billion <laughs> left inside of him that he is not using for the sake of Hashem, that he's not using for the sake of the bigger picture, that he has said that has to be shut away. This corner of the world cannot be dealt with. This corner of myself cannot. I cannot engage with. It's still tzaddik she'inagamar, even if it's only the one billion. Or in a thousand, or ten thousand, and so on. So again, okay. And this is why there's many of these kinds of tzaddikim in every generation. They find in the Gemara that says that 18,000 tzaddikim stand before the Holy One. Right? There aren't many tzaddik v'tavlis. There are many tzaddik v'ralis. Because you could technically... You come to this state of consciousness in any given moment, and there are plenty of people that do live in that state of. Well, oh my gosh, just remembering my dream. <laughs> well, <laughs> that was really crazy. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> it's really weird. You remember at the randomest moment, you're like, "What was that?" <laughs> the dream that they found out that my therapist was a tzaddik. <laughs> And so I called, I had a therapy session and there was this, my therapist is, has an accent and she's Israeli and, or French, I still am not sure actually. <laughs> I think she's Israeli. But I called to have a therapy session and there was a woman without an accent and she, she was pretending to be my therapist though. And I'm like, yo, I know you're not my therapist. And she was lying. She was saying I am. And I'm like, I know you're not. Like, and then I was crying. I was like, I would have trusted you if you, wow, there's deep stuff here. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Anyway, eventually, <laughs> when she started being honest with me, she told me that I'm like, at least tell me where my therapist is. And she said that she went to a retreat for tzaddik. Oh my <laughs> for god! Tzaddik. Wow! Brilliant. One day I'll It's actually, honestly, if you're gonna psychoanalyze that dream, like my, my therapist teaches me tzaddik consciousness. You know what I mean? She's literally been the one to teach me that. I am allowed to live in a state where I'm not turning myself against myself. That true godliness is not when you say only the parts of me that are aligned with the way Hashem looks is godly, but true godliness is when I can be in the moment I am in and say this moment is not working against me. Even the pain of this moment, even the stuckness of this moment, I can actually A, find full true life here, but B, there's nothing in here that isn't going to end up serving my greater self and serving my purpose in life. And so I can, I can look at this clearly. I don't have to be afraid of this. Both internal story and external story. It's fascinating. Okay. But according to the... Good morning. But according to the level of Sadiq Gamor, it says, Rabbi Shimon ben Yechai, Rabbi Shimon ben Yechai says, Ra'isi b'nei aliyah. I've seen the superior people, b'nei aliyah, the people that rise things up, as we're about to see, and they are few. Why is it Tzadik, Tzadik Gamar called B'nai Aliyah? 
Shalachain, and we're tying this all together. Shalachain, Nikran, Bnei Aliyah. They are the reason that the Sadiq Begomers are called Bnei Aliyah are because Shemahapchin Hara, because they actually transform the Ra, Umalim Oso, the Kedusha, and they rise it to godliness. And by rising it, we don't mean. Aliyah never means that you take something and you put it somewhere else. Aliyah means that you show the truth of what that thing always has been, and now it's revealed what that thing always has been. A tzaddik begomer takes the ra, takes that thing that until now has looked fragmented. Tzaddik she'enagomer says, let's put you to the side and focus on my connection with God. Tzaddik gomer says, you too are part of the story here. You too are part of the bigger picture here. B'nai Aliyah, I can actually show how you have never been working against Hashem, but that you're actually part of the bigger picture going on. When Rabbi Chia wanted to go to the Hechel of Rabbi Shimon, Shimon ben Yochai, Shama Kala Nafik Amar, he heard the voice. I will never read this. I'll just put them to the side. <laughs> you hear the voice of Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai say, this is Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, from the Heichal of Rabbi Shimon. So from the space of Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai talking from the space of Sadiq Gamor, what does Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai say? Man mincha in dichashecha, mahapchan l'nahara, v'ta'amin miriru l'miska, ad la yesu hachavachu. Whichever of you, meaning who can come into the state of Sadiq Gamor, who can... Who can be somebody who says that I am seeing reality clearly, that I am really engaged with true reality? Whichever of you before coming here have converted the darkness of the world to light and have transformed the bitter taste of the bitter taste to sweet, transform bitterness to sweetness, darkness light and bitterness to sweetness. That's what Rabbi Shem Ben Yochai says. Rabbi Shem Ben Yochai basically is saying that true reality, and I love that it's the story of Rabbi Shem Ben Yochai because he's like got this whole ball rolling with like all of Pimis Hatara, and that's what he's setting us up and he's literally letting us know that true reality is never going to be that your trigger is a trigger is a trigger is a trigger and that the darkness of your story is the darkness of your story and that it has to change in order to see how Hashem is in your life it's never going to be reality reality will always be that the way that things look in any given moment is part of the bigger story and is part of the bigger wholeness of Hashem's love and Hashem's and okay I'm going to read my notes <laughs> Uh, okay, I'm just going to read them aloud. Just noticing, the fact that this is the tzaddik's reality means that this is true reality. That there is never a moment, external or internal, that is working against us, and that everything can be used for God. And then again, what our avoda actually is in each moment becomes the question, but we're tapping in right now to what true reality is if I was seeing things clearly. Can I find the place in me that can have tzaddik consciousness and start to wonder if I don't actually need to turn myself against myself or this moment against me? How would you, how would you explain that? How do you turn yourself against you? Turn yourself against yourself, I do it all the time. It's the experience of being in a moment and saying, because of this moment, whether it's an emotional experience I'm having or something in my story, it's not good enough. It shouldn't be this way. It should not be this way. That is very different than saying, I desire it to be different. From the space of tzaddik consciousness, Chana Hanavia davened for a baby. She said, my life is oneness with God, and from this space, I desire something more. Right? I desire a child. And yet, my desire for what I don't have is also part of the oneness. It's not that I am not okay because I don't have that. It's 
I am so essentially one with God from this place. I am able to fully vocalize, even with pain. The pain also is part of the is part of the wholeness. The 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 Rebbe's ability to say, I cannot stand gullus anymore. I cannot. It was not just like oh yadi da da. Everything is the fullness of me is in the fullness of this moment and sometimes what the fullness of this moment is calling for is an emotional experience of wanting this moment to be different (laughs) but I don't turn that emotion of wanting this to be different into something that is an exception to the bigger story it's part of the bigger story that's pretty pretty fascinating so thank you all of us I always feel this need to like read the Steinsaltz Tanya in these chapters because... Okay, I'm reading one paragraph. The divine service of one who is not a complete tzaddik might be an escape from the material in which the person takes things from the world and runs off with them towards closeness with God. I'm going to leave this part of my story behind. I'm going to leave this part of myself behind and find Hashem in other areas of my life. But the complete tzaddik never runs away from the world. And I will add, he never runs away from himself. He never runs away from his experience that he's having right now. He takes everything with the world and raises it to holiness. He takes everything that's inside of him and he says, how can I reveal Hashem here? How can I be present with this experience here? He is not satisfied with gratifying his own soul's craving for God, but elevates everything with which he comes into contact because everything he does is an act of transformation because there is no moment that will ever be an exception to the rule of Einod Movadeh, essentially. Wow.